While the New Orleans Saints expected hire of Clint Kubiak can't be official until after the Super Bowl, there are some things that have happened in the recent past that'll let you know that everything should work out just fine. We got all that and a little bit of land yet for you on today's episode of Locked on Saints. You are Locked on Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is good, Houdat Nation and Houdat family? I am your host, Ross Jackson, your New Orleans native, New Orleans Saints expert and credential media member covering those New Orleans Saints as the senior writer and reporter over at Saints News Network. And on today's episode of Locked on Saints, we're going to be breaking down a lot of things around the ongoing coaching staff changes and, and, and adjustments and things like that that are hoping, happening over on the offensive side of the football. We're going to take a look at whether or not quarterback coach and pass game coordinator Ronald Curry will be back, whether or not he'll return after being passed over on the promotion to offensive coordinator. We're going to take a look at my report around Clancy Barone will be back in 2024, and we'll talk about the impact that that will bring for the Saints next season. And to kick us all off, we're going to be taking a look at Clint Kubiak. Now, the the official hire can't become official until after the Super Bowl, but there are some breadcrumbs that are letting us know that things should be okay. We're going to break all that down as we continue on with today's episode. Appreciate you very much for making Locked On Saints your first listen of the day every day and for being an everydayer here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In today's episode of Locked On Saints, brought to you by our friends over at Prize Picks, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL and use the promo code in all lowercase locked on NFL for a first deposit match up to $100. So I'm thinking as of right now, just based on the context that we have with some of the moves that have happened around the New Orleans Saints here recently, particularly when it comes to the offensive staff, that you should feel pretty good about Clint Kubiak being the Saints offensive coordinator. Now, you might be hearing that and thinking to yourself, well, whoa, 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 wait up, Ross. Now, I've seen the reports. The Saints are expected to hire uh, Clint Kubiak. He's set to be the soon-to-be-announced offensive coordinator, all those things. What do you mean that there's some doubt? Well, it's not that there's doubt, but I understand people looking at it and going, fingers crossed, because there is always the chance, especially in a situation like this with the you know team can't make the hire official until after the Super Bowl type of a situation, there's always the potential and always the threat of that hire heel turning and effectively going away or going somewhere else. If you want an example, you think back to Cliff Kingsbury, who was with Las Vegas and then kind of heel turn there, is now headed to Washington to work with the commanders. Ben Johnson looked like a shoe in like he absolutely had the Washington commanders head coaching job completely locked up. And then he heel turned and returned his way back to Detroit second year in a row that he's done that. We've seen Cliff Kingsbury do this kind of thing to USC before where he said, never mind, I'm going to the Cardinals and the NFL. We've seen it with Josh McDaniels in years, things like that, right? So just something to consider, but I'm going to tell you why I'm not super concerned, although it is a possibility. So the reason why I'm not concerned is that we're watching the New Orleans Saints make different coaching moves after the fact that Clint Kubiak kind of, you know, it, it, when the news broke that he was set to become the offensive coordinator. That's, that's one of the big things, right? The fact that the Saints made moves. They moved on from Bob Bicknell as their offensive assistant. They moved on from Cody Burns, their wide receiver coach. Um, Joel Thomas got a job over in New York. You know, So they had sort of those moves that all happened. But then after 
the Clint Kubiak news broke that they were indeed going to, that the Saints are planning to hire him, you saw the Doug Marone move, the Doug Marone uh, you know, firing, and they parted ways with the offensive line coach in a move that makes perfect sense for New Orleans, not just because of the fact that, hey, the offensive line didn't, hasn't performed up to standards over the course of the past two seasons. If that was the case, that move would have been made alongside Cody Burns, alongside Bob Bicknell, all of that. Instead, that move didn't happen until after the Saints were reportedly ready to hire Clint Kubiak and are now just waiting until the Super Bowl is done so that that can become official. So you see a move like that that feels like it almost directly correlates with the system that's going to show up in New Orleans. We highlighted this just a couple of days ago in an episode where we broke down the Doug Marone decision. And you don't even have to look at the underperformance of the offensive line to dictate the idea or justify rather the idea of why it's okay and why it made sense to move on from Doug Marone. You just look at the system, wide zone, lots of zone runs, all these things. That's not Doug Marone's game on the offensive side, on the offensive line, particularly in the run game. He's very much gap man, be bigger than the guy in front of you, all those things. And that's a great approach. There's nothing wrong with that approach. It just doesn't mesh with what that Clint Kubiak version of Kyle Shanahan's system is that he would be bringing here to New Orleans. So that's been a big one for me. The other thing is, it's a promotion opportunity. He has a chance to do kind of like Ben Johnson did and say, never mind, I'm going to say no to the, op- to the promotional opportunity. I'm going to stay in San Francisco and hold on to my you know opportunity as past game specialist. But I mean, this is a guy that's been an offensive coordinator in the NFL before. This is a guy whose dad has been a head coach in the NFL and is a legendary head coach in the NFL. And so with those pieces of context, it seems unlikely that he would forego his opportunity to progress, to uh, continue to promote, right? To to move into a new and and even higher uh, opportunity. And there's no other offensive coordinator positions open. Everything's been filled at this point. They all gone, right? So those are some of the key reasons why I think about that. Here's the other thing. He has the opportunity to come here to New Orleans, have full autonomy over what the offense looks like, and hire his own staff. There will be no offensive line coach when the hire is made official. There will be no um, there'll be no running back coach when the hire is made official. No wide receiver coach when, when his hire is made official. We'll see what happens with the quarterback coach and passing coordinator in Ronald Curry. Um, all, he's going to be able to build his own staff. So it's a it's it's a dream situation to walk into. You've got the veteran quarterback. You have the defensive head coach that's not going to get in your way. You've got the autonomy of your offense. You're building out your own staff. You've got good playmakers as long as you can keep them healthy and actually get the ball in their hands and take advantage of them, things like that. Um, it just doesn't feel like it makes sense that he would turn heel on the situation and head back to San Francisco with the opportunity that's out in front of him. Lastly. Another piece of evidence that I would like to present to the jury is, or to the court, is the front runner or the top candidate for the offensive line coach. Remember, we we highlighted this in yesterday's episode uh, where we were kind of breaking down, like, can Clint Kubiak actually bring a Shanahan system with him, even though he only spent one year with Shanahan? Um, And as a part of this episode, we were looking at Luke Johnson's report from over at NOLA.com about the potential top candidate for the position of offensive line coach in New Orleans being John Benton, a guy that has overlapped with Kyle Shanahan, a guy that has spent time working with Gary Kubiak, Clint Kubiak's father. It just all makes sense, right? Everything is aligning around the move itself to to reinforce the fact 
that the move is indeed happening. So now, look, this could be the New Orleans Saints just planning accordingly, knowing that this is the guy that they're hoping doesn't, you know, uh, flip on everybody and end up going somewhere else or or staying in San Francisco or whatever. But just based on the context clues around, it doesn't look like there should be much concern here based upon what this could be. Now, he goes to the Super Bowl on Sunday, wins the Super Bowl as a part of that staff. Great. He's a Super Bowl winning coach heading over to become an offensive coordinator. It makes perfect sense. If he goes to the Super Bowl this weekend and they lose the Super Bowl, he's on his way out of that program and probably might be able to bring some guys with him because they came up short. He wants to go somewhere else and kind of do his own thing, all that. Like the, the everything seems to be aligned and aligning to point to the fact that Clinton Kubiak will not make a different decision when it's time to make the decision that everyone expects him to make, which is to become the New Orleans Saints offensive coordinator. Now, we don't know. Things can always change. Things can always happen. You know, we never say never when it comes to the NFL. But as of right now, if we're just looking at the context clues, at least things look to be headed in the right direction that should make you feel at least like 60% confident that nothing is going to end up getting in the way of all this. And we'll find out for sure come Monday. That is for certain. All right, coming up next, Clancy Barone set to be back in 2024 per me. We're going to be breaking all that down as we continue on with today's episode of Locked on Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode of Locked on Saints is brought to you by our friends at DoorDash. DoorDash is my go-to delivery service. I actually have a delivery on the way right now from that dog. I love saying it that way because that little kid is like, can I pet that dog? But I got my dat dog on the way, saw it pop up, and I was like, oh, yeah. Gotta grab that. So got that on the way today. And it, look, it's just one of those deals, right? You want grocery? They'll take care of it for you. You wanna you wanna run to the local ice cream shop? They'll take care of it for you. You want uh you know you want that dog? You want that? They'll bring that over to you. I mean, they've just got everything from the local eateries, the chains you can always rely on. Use it out of town, use it in town, all that good stuff as well. Some top picks and a bunch of deals as well. So I would love for you to go and check out DoorDash if you haven't already. Get 50% off up to a $10 value when you spend $15 or more on your first DoorDash order. When you download the DoorDash app and enter the promo code LOCKED23, subject to change, terms apply. Again, that's promo code L-O-C-K-E-D-2-3 for 50% off up to a $10 value on your first order at DoorDash uh, of at least $15 or more. Today's episode of Locked on Saints also brought to you by our friends over at Prize Picks, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. And right now the big game is around the corner and Prize Picks makes the big game even bigger every single year because you get to take every big play, every game-changing moment, moment and potentially turn it around to 100 times your entry with as little as four correct picks you can turn $10 into $1,000, including something easy like if Patrick Mahomes throws for more than one yard in the big game, you win on prize picks. How, off, how awesome is that? All you got to do is choose two to six players, pick whether or not they're going to come in at more or less than their stat projections brought to you by prize picks, and then you watch the winnings roll in. Doesn't get any easier than that. And I promise you, Daily Fantasy Sports doesn't get any more fun than prize picks. Head over to prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL today. Use that promo code locked on NFL for a first deposit match up to $100. And don't forget, if Patrick Mahomes throws for more than one yard in the big game, you win on prize picks. All right, family, New Orleans Saints tight end coach Clancy Barone, the absolute legend, is going to be back in 2024. Let's break down why 
that is massive for this New Orleans Saints team, not only from the tight end perspective, but from that Clint Kubiak perspective as well. Appreciate you as always making Locked on Saints your first listen of the day every day. Don't forget to go and check out the first ever national sports 24-7 stream on YouTube. You can find it over at Locked on Sports Today, which is here 24-7, bringing you all the top stories from around the world of sports, thanks to our local experts, as well as, of course, our national experts that cover every league. So go and find Locked on Sports Today, that 24-7 YouTube stream, whenever you're ready. All right, so I want to look at this Clancy Barone thing. So look, this is a this is a per me sources situation here. This one this one was my story, and I'm really excited that I got to put it out because if you're an everydayer, you know how excited I've been about Clancy Barone coming to New Orleans, being a part of this staff, and what he's done working with guys like Antonio Gates in San Diego and Algie Crumpler in Atlanta, uh, 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 Julius Thomas in Denver. One that that's a specific one. That's a that's that's a, a a particular one, an important one that we'll get back to here in just a second. Kyle Rudolph and. Even though the tight ends in New Orleans last year didn't perform up to sort of the standard that they had set for themselves, there were reasons for that. They're having to help chip and, you know, pass protection was just terrible early on in the season on the offensive line. And so these guys had to put their focus in a lot of different places in order to really be able to get going. But when you look at sort of the, um, the, the fact that, you know, toward the end of the season, you really saw things start to come on for this team, it, it made a lot of sense that this was going to be a decision that the Saints were going to make, that Clancy Barone would be back. And, and don't get me wrong, it, let me be very clear, this is a good decision by New Orleans. Um, and there's a chance that he ends up being the only returning offensive staff member coming back in 2024, depending upon what happens with Ronald Curry, which we're going to get to here in just a moment. I'll explain to you what I think is going to happen with Ronald Curry, and I will also explain to you why it's important that Clancy Barone is there. But first, let's just look at the tight ends for the 2023 season. Of course, you had uh, Juwan Johnson, who caught 37 passes on 59 targets, 368 yards, and four touchdowns. That's down from his production in 2022, where he had 504 yards, which was really cool. And then he also had seven touchdowns, you know, he had you know, more touchdowns. But you saw him really start to come into his own at the end of the season. And I think that like a big thing that happened with Juwan is that early on in the year, when it came to training camp, him and Derek Carr were just on the same page. Like training camp, they were awesome preseason practices, all that kind of stuff, like all throughout training camp and all, they looked really, really good together. Then the season started a couple games in the season. He dealt with that injury. Derek Carr was dealing with injuries, all that. And then when they both got healthy towards the end of the season, then you saw Juwan Johnson do all of the outstanding things that he did. That Bucks game in particular in Tampa with the diving catch. I mean, that was probably his best game uh, of the season over there. But then he added more touchdowns in other games and things like that. So four touchdowns on the season. He actually had the same amount of touchdowns as Jimmy Graham, who it's still so crazy looking at this stat line. Six catches on seven targets for 39 yards and four tutties. That was Jimmy Graham's season. And now look, I don't think Jimmy Graham's going to be back this year. That's just bait in 2024. I'd love to see him back in 2024. Maybe it still happens. But just based on all of his Instagram posts and stuff like that, everything sort of felt like a farewell when it came to Jimmy Graham. Like You can go and look at some of his recent... Instagram posts and all that, him like tweeting, it felt like he was tweeting goodbye to the Crescent City and all this stuff. Like all of it felt very final, but ultimately we'll see what happens. But, uh, you know, Jimmy Graham, when they finally got him out on the field and like Clancy Brown actually have him out there, then you actually saw the big pieces of that. And one of the things that I was told partway through the season last year is that once Jimmy Graham kind of gets back into the mold or gets back into the, the not the mold, but kind of gets back into the mix of things, then you'll see that tight end group 
really start to come to life. And that's exactly what happened. Like Jimmy Graham scores four touchdowns toward the end of the season. Juwan Johnson scoring touchdowns toward the end of the season, all that. And then you saw uh, Foster Moreau have pretty solid games as well. His catch percentage, Foster Moreau in particular, was awesome. 84%, uh, uh, 21 catches on 25 different targets. Only had the one touchdown. Of course, had the big drop in the end zone in one of the games too. That was just absolutely devastating. Uh, but bounce back from that. And this is a guy whose season almost didn't even begin. Remember the first time that we really heard Fawson Moreau's name here in New Orleans was because he was diagnosed with cancer, um, you know, uh, during his, during his workout with the team. And then, then eventually like got past all of that and everything, and then was able to actually join the team and everything and really cool. So I'm really looking forward to seeing this group again next year. They'll add more tight ends to it. But one of the guys that also really got to sort of feel the impact of a Clancy Barone uh, was Taysom Hill. He had his career high in catches, finally, 33 catches, 291 yards, and two uh, receiving touchdowns. Now, that's not the same as the six receiving touchdowns that he had back in 2019. I know that, but it was good to sort of see Taysom Hill actually have a receiving role and really develop as a route runner, develop as a catcher as well, like as a pass catcher and all that. He caught 82.5% of his passes coming off of a season in 2022 where he caught just 69.2%. It's nice, but it's not nice enough. And so uh, I'm all about bringing Clancy Barone back here. I just think that when you look at his pedigree, you look at him as like, hey, you want to talk about culture, you want to talk about all that, like you want to talk about a, a, a player's coach, like Juwan Johnson, Foster Moreau, Taysom Hill, Jimmy Graham, even in the offseason, guys like Lucas Kroll and all them, they were so excited that Clancy Barone was coming to town in 2023. Now he's back in 2024, and I think that that's awesome, especially in an offseason where they're so fixated on culture shifts and everything like that. A guy like Clancy Barone that doesn't waste your time in practice, that gets you ready for the game, that adjusts everything that he does with this team based upon the defense that they're playing so that during the week, they're actually practicing things and, and repping things that they're actually going to do on the weekend, as opposed to kind of like just going through the motions and stuff like that. Like players respect that a lot. It's such a, like a little niche nuancey thing, but players really, really respect that. And I know that Dennis Allen respects that as well and all that. Like everybody from the top down really likes Lancey Brown. And that's not unusual. That has been the case at every stop. Now, here's another thing that kind of leans into what we were just talking about with the idea that Clint Kubiak probably isn't going to heel turn when it comes to all this, or at least it, the, the, the signs are pointing that way, is Clancy Barone being retained. Now, what I know is that he's back in 2024. What I don't know and what I can't say for sure is, was that a Dennis Allen decision or was that a, uh, a Clint Kubiak decision? I feel like it was probably a Dennis Allen decision, just knowing how everybody felt about Coach Barone uh, throughout the season and everything like that. But what I will say too is that a guy like Clancy Barone is in a really unique position here because he's going to be the guy that has not only has the institutional knowledge of the New Orleans Saints, just like Ronald Curry would if he let, if he didn't leave, but Barone has experience with both Gary and Clint Kubiak for 2015-2016 over in Denver. Barone, Kubiak, the elder Kubiak, as well as Kubiak, the younger Kubiak, um, they were both, all three of them were in Denver in 2016 and have worked together and have familiarity with one another, have familiarity with the system that will be brought in. And that's going to be big because he'll kind of be the bridge between those, I would imagine. Like that's a pretty impactful role when you're already this, you know, well respected around the entire league tight end coach. And then now all of a sudden you're the conduit 
and the connective tissue between the new coach or new offensive coordinator or soon to be expected to be, however you want to phrase it, right? We'll play it delicately so that nobody gets disappointed if something crazy does happen. Uh, but with the soon to be offensive coordinator, he gets to be the connective tissue between that and the system as it is to help kind of translate some of those things. So it's a big role, but it's a great role. And it's a really, really good move by the New Orleans Saints to maintain Clancy Burrow. I think it's the right move, and I'm very excited to see him back in 2024 and what this tight end room can look like, because I imagine they'll add more talent, young talent, whether it's through the draft or through free agency, and of course, another year with John, uh, with Juwan Johnson, another year with Foster Moreau, and another year with Taysom Hill, who could have a pretty big role in a Shanahan-style offense. So we're going to be taking a look at all of that here as the season continues to roll, or the offseason continues to roll along. We'll look at some of those specifics in terms of the X's and O's, but as of right now, coaching staff-wise, Good call by the New Orleans Saints to retain Clancy Barone. Now, coming up next, what will they do and what will Ronald Curry do? Because I don't think that this one really comes down to the Saints. This is going to be Curry's call. Let's break it all down as we continue on and wrap up today's episode of Locked on Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. This segment is brought to you by our sponsor, BetterHelp. Sometimes you need the opportunity to get things off your chest, big or small. Certain things can just really begin to pile up, start to get to you, all that. So it's good sometimes to get those things off your chest, especially to somebody that's unbiased in your life. So today I want to tell you how I really feel about something, and you might be feeling the same way this week, but it is such a relief to see the New Orleans Saints really go down the road of improving, updating, and just making changes on the offensive side of the football. It's a success, and it's one that I'm so happy to get off of my shoulders, the stress of all that. Like, look, therapy can be different for everybody. Sometimes you're talking about the negativity. Sometimes you're talking about the positivity. You're celebrating the things that you do well. And obviously, there's bigger problems than your favorite sports team, but it's important to get those things off your chest every once in a while. So if you've been thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, built to be flexible, suited to your schedule, all that. So visit betterhelp.com slash locked on to get 10% off of your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash locked on. Let's get it, Houdat Nation. It's only speculation, but I think it makes sense if Ronald Curry decides to say, hey, I want to spread my wings and go elsewhere. But what would the New Orleans Saints do about that? We're going to break all that down here as we continue on with today's episode. Don't forget, we are your team every day. So coming up tomorrow, we're going to take a look at some of the free agents that make sense and some names to watch from the San Francisco 49ers, particularly this weekend in the Super Bowl matchup to see if there's anybody that might potentially follow Clint Kubiak to New Orleans. We're going to identify the talent that's out there and the potential for New Orleans to uh, continue to expand going into 20 or expand their offense going into 2024. Um, look, we've seen a lot of changeover when it comes to the New Orleans Saints offense right now, or offensive coaching staff. Right now, the only position coaches that remain on the team or associated with the team at this moment are quarterback and passing game coordinator, quarterback coach and passing game coordinator Ronald Curry, and then tight end coach Clancy Brown. As I reported, Clancy Brown will be back for 2024. What I cannot report at this time is that Ronald Curry will be back in 2024. I can't report that he's not going to be back, but I'll be honest, it makes sense if he's not. And I don't even know that that's the Saints' choice, but what the Saints' choice was, was to pass on Ronald Curry for an internal promotion. After all of the years of saying, hey, yeah, he's going to be a great offensive coordinator in the NFL someday, he's ready to call plays and all those other things. Now, listen, I don't think that it was the wrong choice for the New Orleans Saints to make the decision to go to Clint Kubiak. Y'all know Clint Kubiak was my number one target or my 1B target when it came to 
where the Saints were when it, you know, looking in that offensive coordinator spot, and Ronald Curry was a third or fourth option once Gerard Johnson had entered the picture. So for me, I, I would understand Ronald Curry saying, look, I, I was up for the internal promotion. I didn't get the internal promotion. Uh, he was considered for the internal promotion, if I recall correctly, back in 2022 as well, when Pete Carmichael like was but wasn't going to be back, then all of a sudden was going to be back again. And he didn't get it then either, didn't get it this time. It's time to spread your wings and go and look for opportunity elsewhere. I don't think that this is a bad blood situation. I don't think that this is a, you know, the Saints did Ronald Curry wrong or Ronald Curry's mad at the Saints kind of a situation or anything like that. I think this is just simply the way that it goes in the NFL. Like when you go for an internal promotion within your team and the advancement opportunity is not provided to you and they go out there and they find another offensive coordinator, what are you going to do? Wait and hope that you outlast that offensive coordinator? What kind of culture does that breed within your organization? What kind of culture does that breed for you as somebody that wants to come out on the right side of things so that you can get more opportunities later, right? You don't want that kind of potential for resentment not specifically resentment, but even just the potential for resentment is enough of a reason for you to be like, you know what? This ain't it. This ain't it for me. And, and I think that that's, that's true on two different levels for Ronald Curry. This ain't it for me, meaning that, hey, I didn't get the promotion. I love it here in New Orleans, but right now this ain't it for me. But then also this ain't it for me. Like this ain't it, bro. Like there's more out there and everything. And there's more opportunity, all that. Like it, it would be far from the last that we'll ever hear of Ronald Curry. The guy's probably going to be a head coach someday. And he could be a head coach for the New Orleans Saints in six, seven years or something like that. We never know how these things go. Uh, you know, Malcolm Jenkins returned to New Orleans. Jimmy Graham returned to New Orleans. Could we see that later on down the line? We don't know. Uh, but what I will say is this. I get it. And I would not be, I don't think anybody should be upset with Ronald Curry. I don't think anybody should be upset with the Saints in this situation either. This would be a mutual parting of ways type of a situation if he ends up going somewhere. If I was Ronald Curry... I would go somewhere else. And, and again, it's not because I'd want to you know, put my middle finger up at the New Orleans Saints and say, y'all passed over me for the promotion. Now I'm bitter and I'm heading somewhere else. It's not that. It's just, hey, it didn't work for me here. I've really gotten off the ground here. I think I need to continue to make steps forward. I'm going to go somewhere where there's a path for me because right now it doesn't feel like there's a path for Ronald Curry any longer here in New Orleans because there's also the, would he survive the offensive coordinator change? Or... Does the interview with Brian Greasy, for instance, end up kind of cluing in a Ronald Curry and saying, yeah, man, he's probably going to replace me anyway. Let me go and see what other opportunities are out there and everything. And I, I wouldn't blame him for doing that at all, at all. And, and look, I don't, I don't know where he would end up if he did that. If he did stay in New Orleans, it would be awesome uh, because clearly he's had a major impact. He's had a big time impact on Jameis. He's had a big time impact on Taysom. He had a huge impact on Ian Book when he was around. And I know that Ian Book didn't pan out to be the NFL quarterback or anything like that, or the starting quarterback or anything, but the impact that he told me that Ronald Curry had on him just as a person, as a human being, magnificent, awesome stuff. And sometimes that's what being a coach is too, is just helping people mature. And Ronald Curry did a really, really good job of that. He also got uh, like six starters ready over the course of three seasons to take starting snaps for the team. That's pretty impressive. That's pretty impressive. And people don't pass on that. People don't ignore that. People don't miss that, right? Ronald Curry's been a rising star in the NFL coaching conversation for years now. He will get other opportunities if he decides that that's what he wants to do. So I'm just saying, I would not be surprised at all 
if he ended up going elsewhere. And I don't think that it would be a bad blood situation for the New Orleans Saints. It's just time. It's just opportunity. And he's right to pursue opportunity if that's what he chooses to do. Now, if he chooses to stick around here in New Orleans and the Saints want him to stay, awesome. Absolutely awesome. I just don't know if that happens. And like I said, I can't report it one way or another. I don't know one way or another. But if I'm reading a crystal ball, the crystal ball, I did the eight ball motion. I did like the shaking of the eight ball motion when I said that. If I was reading the crystal ball, there we go, uh, motion. Um, uh, it's probably coming up saying, yeah, he 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 won't go somewhere else. You know what I'm saying? So I, I, I'm gonna head out. You know that makes sense. It a hundred percent makes sense. So what do the New Orleans Saints do in that situation? Well, I kind of spoiled it already. Kind of got ahead of myself, but that's okay. Um, I'd rather be ahead of myself than behind somebody else. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Uh, so the way that I look at it is, Brian Greasy's probably like the number one candidate if that were to happen, and there would be a promotion for Brian Greasy in that situation. He'd be coming to New Orleans because it seems that San Francisco likes to keep passing game coordinator, passing game specialist, and quarterback coach separate, right? As, as, as different positions. New Orleans has no problem blending those two positions. We've seen it time and time again, but we've also seen it with Ronald Curry. And if Ronald Curry were to leave, that would vacate both of those positions and or the dual position then becomes available. So technically for Brian Greasy, coming in and becoming the Saints quarterback coach and passing game coordinator would be a promotion for him. And he gets to come over with his guy and Clint Kubiak, that's a really good situation to end up in, right? You're coming over with somebody that's taken over and getting full autonomy over the offense, yada, yada. Hard to pass up on that opportunity. And, and that's the one that makes the most sense for me. Now, there could be other opportunities. There could be other coaches that could potentially step into those roles, all that. The Saints could have an offensive assistant, a DJ Williams that they could promote into that spot as well. Like there's even internal folks like that that would go there. DJ Williams was the um, quarterback coach from one of the senior bowl teams last year, high praises for him, always high praises for him inside the facility as well. Derek Carr loves DJ. And so there's a lot of opportunity, right? But I wouldn't be surprised if it was Brian Greasy. I thought that Brian Greasy was an interview for the New Orleans Saints as a means of scouting a little bit more about Clint Kubiak, what he's learned in the Shanahan system, how he's changed, how he's evolved, all those other things. But turns out it could also have been a interviewing for a position that wasn't open yet. It could potentially be opening if Ronald Curry does indeed head somewhere else. So I wouldn't be surprised at all to see that. All right, y'all. I appreciate you very, very much for coming through for another episode. Bottom line, Clint Kubiak, it, it feels like things are going fine, like things are going in the right direction there. Clancy Barone's back. We're going to see what happens with Ronald Curry, but I wouldn't be surprised if he heads elsewhere um, into other opportunities. And Saints already have some built-in options in Brian Greasy and even DJ Williams that can either move over or move up into those spots. So still a good spot for the New Orleans Saints. Um, coming up in tomorrow's episode, we're going to take a look at some of the San Francisco 49ers to watch this weekend during the Super Bowl so that you can see which free agents could potentially be headed uh, to New Orleans or elsewhere, as well as some other free agents not in San Francisco presently, but guys that will be on the open market that could fit with the New Orleans Saints might be looking to do over on the offensive side. As believe it or not, free agency does happen before the draft, even though we immediately start talking about the draft because it's so much fun. Appreciate you as always. Making Locked On Saints your first listen of the day every day. Don't forget for your second listen, go and check out Locked On Pelicans. Historic day, historic win the other day against the, uh, against the uh, Toronto Raptors. Definitely want to be a part of that. And of course, Locked On LSU over with Caroline Fenton. Appreciate you very much for making Locked On Saints part of your day, part of your routine for saying yes to me and the show. As always, if you see me, please say hi. And if you need anything else around your New Orleans Saints in between these episodes, make sure you follow me on your favorite social media at Ross Jackson. N-O-L-A. Hit me up. Learn how the family's doing them how you live and let me know how you're momming them. 
And trust you, that nation, I'll holla at you.